Hi, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for stopping by. You're going to hear some of the best of eating, drinking, and living in Hawaii with a little bit of Scotland thrown in as much as I can possibly manage it. If you want to find out more about what we do in our work with restaurants, then please go to our website, mojomagari.com, or you can listen to archived podcasts at Radio Mojo Hawaii or mojomagari.com. Thanks for being with us. Today's episode is brought to us by Pyology Pizzeria. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to another Radio Mojo. Uh, This morning, I'm at the little chart room with the chef owner, Roberta Holmacaran. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. So nice to see you. And I'm especially happy to see you this morning because I know you're in the middle of some very big and very busy things going on with the restaurant. Yes. We're moving sites in about two months' time, moving to a slightly bigger site, which will really just allow us to push the food forward and just make the actual working sort of flow of the day so much better for the team. And also the room itself will be a lot more relaxing and sort of comforting for the guests themselves. Now, to paint a proper picture for people who are listening, the little chart room is very well named because it is, in fact, very small. <laughs> Just describe the restaurant for people who have not been. Of course. I mean, it is very, very small. We only have, with current sort of climates, we only have 14 seats, four of which are at a bar countertop, which overlooks where the, the, the starters and the desserts get plated. And then there's the, the 10 seats in the room. And I have a very tiny kitchen with one oven, six gas burners, and there's not even enough space for us to have a kitchen porter in. So I have a tiny team of, well, now four chefs, actually. But um, we do everything. We obviously cook, but we clean. We take orders, make drinks. We very much are one full team that does that does everything. And the sort of style of, of the restaurant is, or the, the kind of ambience and, and sort of... Uh, atmosphere and that yeah that we want to create when people come to dine here is that you're sort of coming into a friend's house because it's it's relaxed and it's friendly and you you get great service and you're eating fantastic food but you're mm-hmm. it's it's not fussy and it's not over you're not overserved if that that makes sense was the idea to have the restaurant so small something that came about because you just wanted a tiny restaurant or was it more opportunity you saw the opportunity to open this restaurant and it happened to be very small the idea was that we wanted it to be small um i opened the restaurant with my husband sean he manages all the front house yeah from the get-go we really wanted a tiny little place where we had a small team because we wanted to sort of yeah just keep everything quite sort of close knit and keep costs down as well (laughs) and just didn't want to sort of make a big step and open up a a bigger massive restaurant but it was really about keeping that intimate friendly, relaxed sort of style of service that we wanted to provide. It's quite forward thinking in a way because we are sort of hopefully post-pandemic, but there are many restaurants now that will never again be big restaurants. People, I think, are looking for a truly a small, intimate experience. They want to go into a restaurant and feel that the chef who's cooking for them really is doing it from a sense of place, right? So I think that if there's one thing that the pandemic has shown us is that we do want to eat in a slightly different way. It seems to me that you were ahead of that game in your way of thinking. <laughs> oh, oh, well, yeah, there was no pandemic in thought, <laughs> obviously. But um, yeah, the idea, it was we wanted to create a place that we would love to go and eat in. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was really just the core, core thought. And we've been to maybe a few small places already. And 
yeah, had a really good idea in our head. And we visited a few different sites and looked at a few different places. They were all sort of 40, 50 covers, and it was always a no. And then a friend of ours, actually, who works in commercial real estate, I think he sent this through to us as a joke because, I mean, it was, we had to do quite a lot of work to it. <laughs> and it was, it is tiny. But um, we came and visited it. I think we were here for five minutes. And then we walked out and we're rushing up the road because both of us were going off to go and do something else. And we just looked at each other and said, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And it was, it was from that point, it took a wee, wee while because we had to do a few changes, but it was such a great feeling. I think if a lot of people feel the same when, they, when they're buying a house or, exactly. or other people that are buying restaurants. You just know. Or indeed when you're finding a career, because wasn't that a little bit how you started in the culinary world? I mean, you didn't have, you didn't grow up thinking, oh, I'm going to be a chef. At 16, you got a job in a restaurant and you went, oh, this is great. Yeah, exactly. I always loved food, loved cooking. I think home economics was one of my favorite courses in school. And I remember chatting to my parents when I had an opportunity to go into work experience. And they said, you love cooking. That's that's always been your main focus. So why don't we write some restaurants and see if you can go into some work experience? And I think I wrote about four or five different restaurants, but only one got back to me. And that was the Tower Restaurant, mm-hmm. which unfortunately didn't make it through the pandemic. But I think I had a, a good, good long, long-standing time. And yeah, so I went there and just loved it. And I haven't looked back. They were great. They took me on. They showed me so much. They also offered me a part-time job whilst I finished school. And then after I finished school, I went full-time there for a year. And I'm still in contact, actually, with my head chef from that time. So yeah, it was, it was amazing. And like I say, I just... Didn't look back and, yeah, I was quite determined to move on and just learn more. And, yeah, I mean, every day we're still learning. It's a fantastic job for that. At that point, did you already have a real appreciation of Scottish food and Scottish culture? And did you know, if I am going to continue in this, I want to be somebody who's a proponent of, you know, the food that surrounds me? Or is that something that sort of happens organically as you work your way through the top kitchens that you ended up working I would say it was more organically mm-hmm. as I worked my way through the top kitchens. Um yeah. I mean, obviously I'm aware of, you know, it's that thing when you grew up in Scotland, yeah. you kind of have all this stuff and you don't really, in many ways, you kind of take it for granted. Yeah. But then at the same time, there's such a lack of education with food as yeah. well in this country where yes. it's where. It's a real dichotomy, isn't it? Yeah. We've got this incredible bounty of food here. Yeah. We've got this incredible ocean. We, we just have stunning food. Yeah. And then we have people who are just eating, I mean, just rubbish, right? Yeah, we have a lot of rubbish. In we the do, yeah. And I think there's always that kind of, the thought of well, what's your traditional food in Scotland mm-hmm. oh is it a deep fried Mars bar <laughs> yeah you know and it's just like no we've got so much more to offer than that so yeah no it very much happened organically and as I as I moved my way and really a few kitchens that I worked in where the chefs were very passionate about being Scottish and their heritage and really like I say just what we have on offer and mm-hmm. with Scotland being so small you don't have to travel that far to get to all right. of this stuff and that's I think that's the beauty of, of this this country so yeah. And you don't have to travel very far either to find different... I mean, I love the fact that you go an hour away in any direction in Scotland and people's accents have changed. Yeah. Their, their, their food, their local food is slightly different. They're eating stuff and the further up north you go, you're eating completely different food. But as you say, it, it is a strange thing because we are known for also sort of fish and chips and yeah. large bars. And- it's frustrating. Yeah, I sort of feel that... I think there's such a great focus on restaurants and food in Scotland now and I think Glasgow's really changing as well with Lorna getting mm-hmm. a star and uh, Graham Cheever has yeah. just opened up and Kill Brook. Oh, sorry, I've already mentioned cover. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually going through to Glasgow today to go and eat at Bar Brett, which is Kill Brook's sort oh, cool. of more casual sister restaurant. Cool. There's just so much exciting things happening yeah. in Glasgow and in Edinburgh too. We've got so many new openings. 
Myself. <laughs> yes, yourself. Let's get to that in a moment. Yeah, what I'd love to do is just chat a little bit about, you know, you are so known for, for celebrating seasonal Scottish produce and it, and it's lovely. And, and I think anyone who's listening to the show, you know, who may have seen the Netflix series, you know, the great British menu, you know, it was a really good introduction for a lot of people to see you and how passionate you and your co-chefs are about food in Scotland. I'd love you to give us an idea right now of what's on the menu. It's summer. You've <laughs> just got a lovely summer menu that's come out. Give us an idea of, of who you are through your menu. So, again, with the restaurant, um, the menu is really small. We just offer three starters, three mains, and two desserts and one cheese. The One of the reasons behind that is because we have very small lack of storage. <laughs> um, but the main, main reason behind it is the menu changes a lot so every sort of maybe two to three weeks will change about three or four dishes and the idea behind that is is because there's so many things coming into season and it's just such a lovely way to be able to showcase everything that's, that's coming in and we have a, such an amazing guest following so they're coming back and every time they come back the menu is changing they're getting mm-hmm. something different and we're always pushing ourselves and yeah the team are just yeah I mean they have an amazing team and they're they're so excited to when something new comes in they'll say oh this is coming coming season can we make a dish can we put it on yeah of course we can and the great thing is that the majority of it is just down the road or you know not too far away right now I'm changing a few dishes next week I mean one dish that we've just put on is uh, some mackerel with gooseberries and the gooseberries they're uh, it it might be English and maybe not Scottish but um they, or maybe that's Scottish, sorry. <laughs> Edit that bit out. <laughs> but the mackerel is very much Scottish. Yeah. I have a fantastic fishmonger who caught Welch's, which yeah. are just based down in New Haven. Yeah. And I mean, everything they get is either from Eyemouth or they'll go up to Peterborough. Uh-huh. And no, Peterhead. Again, I always get yeah. these two wrong. Yeah, so sorry. Sorry. Um, I got your name wrong in the <laughs> They're amazing. They, like I say, they're literally just at New Haven, which is. 10 minutes in the car mm-hmm. down the road and it's a fairly simple dish we're taking the, the mackerels filleting them down and we're actually lining them with some uh, some raw gooseberries and then putting another fillet on top and then cling filming it together so that it sets together mm-hmm. and it's getting cured slightly so it is it's a raw a cold raw served dish mm-hmm. but it has been slightly cured serving it with traditionally the dressing would be called ayo blanco, which is an mm-hmm. almond gazpacho. Mm-hmm. But we've decided we've done something slightly different. We've used sunflower seeds instead of almonds and made a sunflower seed blanco, which is just so refreshing and sharp uh-huh. and delicious with the, the lovely, beautiful mackerel. And then serving it with some pickled gooseberries, some gooseberry compote. And just the whole, the whole dish is very refreshing, really summery, really light. Really? Yeah. And that's a good example of how you concoct dishes, isn't it? It's a good mm. example of how... You are quite well known for taking ingredients that you, you know, you, at first glance you'd go, hmm, gooseberries and mackerel. How did they ever end up in the same thing? But in one bite, it becomes quite obvious that, yes, of course, there's a an oiliness that's cut by a tartness, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. I get the impression that it's just so much fun for you to create these oh. kind of menus. Yeah, so much fun. And like I say, like, you know, I think I say, I think I say this every time a season starts. But summer, summer is great. Mm-hmm. There is just all the berries and all the mushrooms that are starting. It's just endless. I'm sure I'll say the same when autumn, autumn begins because yeah. it's the game season and all the, and the root, the vegetables, root vegetables, vegetables are coming in. Yeah. Um, but I do get really excited at summertime. And yes, you're absolutely right. I do try and sort of push the boundaries slightly with combinations. 
And I think that's another thing that people really enjoy about here when they come to eat dine with us is that because the menu is small, it will push them to suddenly order something that they would maybe be reluctant to order uh-huh. in a different restaurant. And I've had many guests say, yeah, you, you made me sort of go outside my comfort zone right. and it's great because I've really loved, I've loved everything tonight, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. And it's such a great way, I think, to educate people about their own food. And, you know, for people coming into Scotland, for people who are coming on a holiday, the sort of things I always sort of encourage people to do is to just think a little bit outside any of the tourist thing you see. Look a little bit beyond the restaurants that, you know, are known for certain things that you might expect from Scotland. Um, in the, the older times and just look for, you know, these newer restaurants and newer chefs because there's a Scotland out there and there's a food out there that is just so incredible mm-hmm. in the simplest possible way that I think that's what we're so proud to share with other people, I think. You know, that's the thing that you want people to come into Scotland and leave going, oh my God, the food is just so incredible. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, you know, everyone comes anyway and sort of gets taken aback by the country itself because it's stunning. Yeah. And then, like you say, they, yeah, they really are starting to hopefully really realise that we've got everything at our fingertips. Everything. And, yeah. Now, you're going to have it a bit easier at your fingertips in just a <laughs> month or so because you are, in fact, moving, opening a slightly larger place and then... This one, this lovely space in Leith, will remain but just have a different incarnation, isn't that right? That's, yeah, completely right. Currently, we actually have a food truck down Portobello Promenade where I've got two fantastic chefs uh, that are cooking pretty much predominantly on barbecues. And they're just doing lots of sort of flatbreads and fresh, they've always got oysters on the menu, obviously Scottish. They're going to be moving up into here and we're opening up a restaurant called Eleanor. Mm-hmm. And the concept of what they're doing down there will be as the same up here, but obviously a little bit more dressed up because, well, for starters, it'll be on plates, not mm-hmm. in a cardboard box, which right. they're delighted about. Yes, it um, tastes slightly. It does, it does. And it just suddenly the appearance just becomes a little bit more, mm-hmm. tiny bit more refined, obviously. But the idea behind Eleanor is obviously delicious, um, sort of quite tasty food, obviously. But we want it to be, um, we're, we're actually changing right now. We've got all, everything's low, low dining apart from the bar, which overlooks the kitchen. We're, we're changing everything to high top seats. And it'll have a more casual feel. It'll be a little bit faster, quite faster turnaround. And there'll be a really big influence on the wine. The, it's going to be a restaurant and wine bar. So. Which is your husband, Sean's forte. That's his um, He Yeah, he, he knows a wee bit. <laughs> and we've just employed an amazing, amazing lady called Joanna, who is currently working with us just so we can get her sort of trained up to how mm-hmm. we like to run things. And, and she'll be running Eleanor. But her wine knowledge is fantastic too. And actually her background is uh, drinks mm-hmm. and before um, Joanna came on board we were not exactly winging it with the drinks but we were we were definitely staying a lot safer with our offerings and she has just turned things around and it's just she, it's, it's really interesting watching her create new drinks because she'll make shrubs she's obviously very seasonal as well and I've been making I mean elderflowers are in season right now sure. I've been making um, elderflower cordials for her Blackcurrant leaf as well. That's um, I got lots of blackcurrant leaves in the day and dehydrated them all and I've made a cordial out of that, which she's really quite keen to use. And I actually, right now, I've got a spruce tip caramel custard tart wow. on the menu. And I also made a cordial out of the spruce tips. And they're, I think they're from up in the north of Scotland. And it's the first time that I've used them. And honestly, like it's my new favourite favourite. Fine. What is the flavour? Is it minty? Is it what no, is it? No, it's really citrusy. Ah, citrusy. it's really interesting. It's like it's, it, it does have a floral um, mm-hmm. aspect to it, but like 
lemon works so well or orange that that would be really good combinations to add with it so it's the custard tart and then we're just serving a really fresh ricotta ice cream sorry no buttermilk ice cream just some little dices of orange and grapefruit just to have continue on that kind of citrusy zingy and clean and clean really really clean yeah how gorgeous yeah it's so evident that you're having so much fun doing what you're doing (laughs) it's really awesome um i'm sure anybody who joins your team in the next year or two are going to be just flying high as you continue you and sean with what you're doing it's such a pleasure to chat with you i just can see that you're headed in in it just represented Scotland in such a great way, which is really, really wonderful. And uh, I hope that, you know, everybody who's listening, if you, if you find yourselves in this beautiful country, then come and seek out Chef Roberta and her team. Thank you so much for taking this little bit of time with us. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. Thank you very much. All right. We're going to, of course, have accompanying this little podcast, all the details about the restaurant. You'll be able to find how to get there. You'll be able to look at menus. And if I remember, you'll be able to look at some pictures as well. So thanks for being with us. I'm Joe McGarry. We'll see you next time on Radio Mode. Thanks for being with us. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast brought to us by Pyology Pizzeria in Hawaii. Join us next time on Radio Mojo. And if you want to find out more about what we do, go check out our website, mojomagari.com. We'd love to see you there. Bye.